last time ever, last time in the, well, last time currently forever, and probably the last time ever in the Gaming Up. Uh, getting the win there would have been, that would be a Vandal rewatchable forever. <laughs> but, <sighs> yeah, dude, yes, it would. But, but it didn't happen. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and home of the Vandals on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and with me, as always, I have Brian Marceau. Hey, guys. Great to be back. And uh, today, we are previewing slash spotlighting your 2020 returning defensive alignment. For the Vandal football team, we'll also be talking some Vandal women's basketball recruiting because they are killing it. Uh, we'll also be talking some generic football news, a couple moves, a couple different types of moves to cover, as long as also announcing a our new series, The Vandals Rewatchable. So make sure you tune in for that. But first of all, this episode is brought to you, like all episodes, by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky cold snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Around the bar. John Newley keeps the train a-rolling in Moscow, Idaho. You thought we had a great year rebuilding in the 1920 season on a year where we lost two all-time Vandal players and we're baskets away from being the number one seed and possibly, if uh, COVID-19 had not hit, maybe getting another bid to the NCAA tournaments as they had qualified for the Big Sky Championship game against Montana State. Well, he captured that momentum and put it in a bottle and is sharing it all around the country, and we had a great 2021 recruiting class. Yeah, so the big one, and this one seemed to me seemed like it came out of nowhere and I'm pretty sure it came out of nowhere to a ton of people is um, former Bishop Kelly star uh, Gabby Harrington, most recently of the university of Montana. Um, you know, someone who played over tw 20 minutes a game. Um, she has, tra she transferred into Idaho. <laughs> um, Gabby, Gabby Harrington, someone we've seen before. Cause I mean, she's been essentially a starter and a solid contributor for Montana for the last two seasons. And she decided that there were, I, I don't know, there was, a, there was a bigger pond she wanted to be part of. She came over here. Uh, another big name we have coming in for next year is uh, Sydney Gandy. Uh, but, you know, if you look at, man, you look at what we have coming back, you know, people like Gina Markson, um, people like Beyonce B, plus, you know, we just talked about, 
this this is a team that finished second in the league and they're they're on the rise. You know, this is a, these are this is a big get for Idaho. Yeah, we I mean, you're talking about a lineup that did not need much changing. We we lost a couple, but I mean, you have Markson coming back, you have Beyonce coming back. Um you've got a Clinker coming back and you add four players that could instantly be starters. Um just a great get for John Newley. Uh Sean Kramer said it best in our, you know, group messaging. Just said give the the town the Moscow City Keys to John Newley. Um let him coach men's basketball, let him coach football, let him run the city, run the state. Heck, when's the next governor voting? John Newley for governor. This is the best thing that's happened to the state of Idaho, I think, in a long time. Um just keep him around. Uh we've seen a lot of we haven't had a lot of great coaches where everybody agrees in a, in a while here at the University of Idaho. John Newley is one of those guys. Probably a dream guest if we could ever get him on the podcast. So if anybody can sink their teeth into John Newley's ear, uh, we'd love to have him on the podcast. Um, other news uh, involving coaches. Tight end coach uh, Steve Oliver is on the move. Brian. Yeah, Steve Oliver, uh, tight end coach for University of Idaho, is now, I believe, the tight end coach at University of San Diego. Are they? They're, they're, is that the Pioneer League? Yes, they're the Toreros, the yes. non-scholarship Pioneer League team. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much you know to add to this. Um, you know, when you're in the FCS, and not just FCS, it's FBS too. Those positional coaches. Um, you know, sometimes even if you have the same position, but you're shifting schools, um, you're making a move for, you know, because you have increased responsibilities at that school, um, which isn't to me entirely the case of why maybe a person would go to a lower profile. I mean, I know San Diego makes the playoffs, but they make the playoff because they're in the worst division, mm-hmm. uh, worst conference. Um, that might explain why someone makes the move to which might, you might think of as a lower profile school, but because you get more responsibilities, you know, a, a different version of this is Bo Baldwin going from offensive coordinator at Cal uh, back to head coach at Cal Poly. You know, that's a step down you'd say in prestige, but he gets to do more. Um, also don't know if it's just life situation where his family wants to be in California. So it takes a job there. Uh, but you know, as always when coaches move on, uh, we miss them, but we're happy when they're moving on to, you know, whatever the next opportunity is. Yeah. And I believe in 2017 he was a feature. If we find it, we'll we'll post it for you guys. Um, when they're doing the return series, I believe they actually talked to him because he was actually acting, I believe, as the director of football operations, so the guy booking all the hotels and air flight and everything like that. So if we find it, just so you get a better idea, I mean, he's on his way out. Um, but so you have a better idea of who he was, he was – just promoted to tight ends coach last year, so it's not a huge loss. Um, he actually started his career at playing offensive line at the University of San Diego. Um, so he's going back to his alma mater. You can't hate somebody for that. So it's a good move for him, I imagine. Obviously, it'll hurt. Uh, I'm imagining we'll do something similar to what we did when he – when the former tight end coach left and much like we did um, last year when we had some places, I'm going to expect probably one of these graduate assistants to get to move into that. So probably look at Ryan Clark or Pierce Tracy 
but we could be wrong. They did last year when they lost linebackers coach, brought in Jamie Schultz from UCF. So you never know, but Jamie Schultz had ties. So I, I'm not imagining we have anybody out there with ties right now that could move back like James. Um, so I'd imagine you're probably going to see Ray or Pierce be the guys that move up, which is good. you got guys with culture and not a lot of change for a team that we think is going to have some solid building blocks to grow on this year. But that's not the only person on the move. We have a player who appears to be on the move, and we might have been wrong. As we said that there's no way this was a conspiracy just last week. But per Coach Molnar's Twitter account of him uh, sharing the quarterback room Zoom conference call, Mr. Borish making an appearance in the quarterback Zoom meeting. Now, we don't know per se, but I believe we would have heard if this whole time Borish has been spending some time in the quarterback room, and so this isn't anything new, just because he was a quarterback, they keep him in there to bounce ideas off of. But this felt very much, especially when they have to be aware of what people are saying, showing Borish in a way was almost like a PR move of, look, we heard you, he's going to get a shot at it. Now, that does that mean when fall comes around or summer ball, Borish is still going to be in the quarterback room? No, but at least it looks like they're giving him a chance which is it's cool to see because good kid, but I think it's just hilarious how last week we're previewing the defensive backs and talking about how he's a real shot to be a contributor at a safety position and why I personally thought he was a better fit for defense than offense. And then we didn't, I think it was the day the podcast actually posted, we discovered that he was in the quarterback room. So I was like, wow, that aged great. Podcast dropped this morning. By noon, it looks like he's <laughs> no longer a defensive back. Yeah, that makes, you know, when we have our guys, you know, grad transfer, Mike Beaudry, uh, freshman CJ Jordan, when those guys are on campus, like if if that is accurate, that those five guys are, you know, in the quarterback competition, that's um, that's seven dudes we're talking about uh, to be competing. And that would cover at least one person in every class. So, you know, I know Paul Petrino said he likes to have quarterbacks in every class. We'll definitely have that checked. Uh, seven just seems like a lot. Um, but I, I mean, we haven't seen anything out of Nathan Cisco. Certainly haven't seen anything out of Zach Borish. Um, so, I mean, the, this is one, dude, maybe the spring game would have been a little more fun this year with five quarterbacks rotating through. Um, but second, um, man, if we can't find one out of seven, I mean, I'm not going to say it that way. We'll find a quarterback out of seven. Seven just seems like a lot. Yeah. It's just, will we find the right guy out of the seven out of the bat? We'll have a guy, a guy that can play. I just hope the right guy wins it at the beginning of the season so we don't have to deal with what we've dealt with the last couple of years of everybody second-guessing the coaching staff. Uh, I hope we can all just be like, this guy seems to be the right guy, and we can all get behind a quarterback in 2020 because I think that's something the, the program desperately needs almost more than wins is at least everybody, fans, players, coaching staff, media, on the same page on something. feels like... All of us are at an intersection somewhere. So I I'm, oh, I think you're right. Out of seven people, hopefully we get somebody. But, um, yeah, it will be uh, – you nailed it. It's going to be a very fun year for summer ball, especially, because all those guys are going to be there. I might actually have to make a trip out this year and go watch one of the summer practices just because, I mean, I can't remember a time like this I don't know, can you, that we had 
a quarterback competition quite like this, where not only is it just two actual guys. I mean, I know we just did with Mason and Colton, but I think most people thought that um, neither of those guys, the competition, I don't know, the competition didn't have the flair that this current one is going to have, where, like you said, there's literally three guys that I think have a shot to win it going into, maybe even four going into next season. That's awesome. And you feel confident that all four guys can deliver. I mean, we haven't had anything like that since, like, probably Nathan Enderley and Brian Reeder, but that wasn't even, like, a competition. Because I mean, I guess Linehan and Chalich, but I don't know. I just, like, once again, that just felt like such a two-person race where this is so – there's so much to see. And they're all so different in their own ways, too, that – I don't know. I'm really excited. Uh, the most excited I've been at quarterback, I mean, since – Probably Enderley or uh, Matt Linehan's senior year. Like, I, I wasn't a huge believer going into his, like, sophomore year. I mean, I thought he was good, obviously. But um, I don't think I've been this excited at quarterback since 2017, 2016. So, um, yeah, for me, good. so we don't – I mean, we're – listeners, we're, we're doing the quarterback preview next week. Yeah. Um, I think this year what it feels like – and, look, I have to make an indirect allusion to the dead horse to do this – it feels like a real competition. Yeah. Which, uh, and when I say that, I mean, one, look, there's just not the dead horse issue to begin with, but it feels like the competition is going to show us some upside that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know, man. Like, I guess I'm with you. Um, I, I can't think of a time where it seems so open. And, you know, we'll go again, we'll go in depth later, but. We're not just saying there's four names. There's there's four guys who there's reason to believe they could be contributors like we haven't seen for a few years. Yeah. And uh, I just want to cover this before we get into it. I mean, we're, maybe it's the wrong time to ask, but how have you 80% done with the position previews, right? We have two more positions to cover. Have you? Do you feel it's helped you or hurt you going into – the summer like i guess i'm asking because there's like a small part of me that i'm just getting so excited like when i'm going through these lists which you know we'll all be going through here in a second but man there are just i'm so excited for this upcoming year like i just look we have so many good players coming back and i feel like i'm building up this false sense of like oh my god we might actually have a really good year so I'm trying to talk myself off that ledge a bit, but when you're going through it and you're previewing it and you're seeing all these people, and we, like you said, we haven't even covered quarterbacks yet, and that's the biggest piece. Um, but like when I'm segue into us about to get into the defensive line, I mean, everything I've looked at has made me feel really, really confident. So, do you want me to answer, or do you want me to talk you off the ledge? I, I want you to answer, not off the ledge. Okay. I'm curious where you're okay. seeing this as well. Okay, because I said, like, th there's ways to talk soft ledge. But look, um, I, I'm happy we've done this. I feel I feel much better about our team going into next year. And even though we're excited, Chris, like when we've done these previews, we've said that we haven't been saying, look, Idaho's going to win the league. True. We've been saying if things break right, we could be competing for a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> though you're excited – I mean, you you have still worked in the guardrails there. Yeah, true. But, you know, when we go through here, it's been helpful for me um, 
to you know to look at a couple things and just know them a little better you know for example linebackers uh you know we might have the league we may have the league's best linebackers even if we don't have the single best one in the league depth wise all of our starters likely could be starters at any school yeah. and being saying so, that we could very well have the best one in the league as well we, between we absolutely could between we, Trey we might Walker have two and Christian Ellis yeah like uh, it, as a whole i think it's almost yeah, no doubt we have the best linebacking core as a whole. I honestly think it might be one of those things where, kind of like the Seahawks when they had the Legion of Boom, Earl Thomas yeah. was the best safety. Um, you know, free safety. Cam Chancellor was probably the best strong safety, and then Richard Sherman was arguably, you know, a top three corner, if not most people would say a top corner. Some would say he's below like Patrick Peterson and Daryl Revis. Um, and Josh Norman, but like it's arguable, but you're still putting them in that top tier. I think next year we're going to have three top tier guys. And I just think that is, it's so cool. Cause it's been a while since we've had that. And, um, I mean, I actually can't, I mean, I guess we've been pretty lucky the last couple of years was like having Lashley, um, uh, Kate and Ellis and, oh, who'd we, why, uh, Ed Hall, like those three were all kind of like that, but. Obviously, playing at the FBS level didn't seem quite like it does that we have these guys at the SCS level. But, um, I mean, just going into it, like running back last week, just to to recap super quick, uh, we talked about – oh, I don't have it exactly pulled up, the stat I was looking for. But we talked about how we lost – what was it? Like 48 yards or something like that total. Um, it, it wasn't a lot. It, it, we pretty much had all of our returning – statistics coming back well i mean i know you know this but listeners might be surprised to learn guess what we lost on defensive line seven game appearances and four tackles that's it we lost four tackles from last year we have practically i mean we do we have our entire defense starting defensive line coming back and our entire second string defensive line coming back it's just when you hear that paired with the linebackers we have coming back everybody paired with the running backs we have coming back, everybody. It's just, I'm feeling incredibly lucky. And I've always said our front seven was going to be good this year. I guess in my mind, I thought I was forgetting about some major contributor we were losing. We've lost no major contributors on our front seven on defense. Um, guys we lost, Carlos Collado, the third, no stats last year. So, yes, hurts to miss somebody that's in the system, probably a good character guy. But in terms of stats, nothing. Then we lost Dylan Beeler. And both these guys look like to be transfers out because they weren't seniors. Um, seven games, four tackles. So probably a special teamer. We really lost nothing. Then you go to the people who are coming back. Cameron Townsend. Now, I wanted to look into this one more, but I ran a little short on time. He has no stats for last year, but has uh, he played in every single game and got 15 tackles in 2018. He's also listed as a grad student this year, which makes me think he might have got hurt or something or is ineligible last year. I don't know. That's why I said I don't know all of it. I don't want to speculate. But either way, he did not play anything in 2019, and he appears to be eligible for 2020, and he was a contributor. So we have him coming back as a grad student. Um, and then we have Theo Griffin, who's going to be a redshirt senior uh, from Federal Way, Washington. I heard a lot of people like it when they find out we do have a lot of local kids on the team so i'm going to start trying to spotlight some of the local guys now 
Um, so Theo Griffin, Federal Way Washington, redshirt senior, uh, played in six games last year, eight tackles, two tackles for a loss, one sack. Then you have number 45, Coyote Rufayet. Redshirt senior, um, originally from Portland, Oregon. Uh, obviously, he's a transfer in from Boise State and was a contributor at Boise State. And then eight games, 17 tackles, one tackle for loss, and a half sack. Then you have number 55, Rashawn Crawford, redshirt senior. Played in 12 games last year. He's played in every single game since he was a freshman. He had 29 tackles, one tackle for a loss, half sack. You have 97, Vea Tomasi, senior. Three games last year, two tackles. You have uh, true senior number 98, Jonah Kim, played in all 12 games last year, 32 tackles, four and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks. Number 99, Noah Ellis, red shirt junior, five games last year, 11 tackles, .5 tackles for a loss. Number 94, Nate DeGraw, red shirt junior from Post Falls, 12 games, also played in every single game since he was a red shirt freshman, uh, 40 tackles last year, three and a half TFLs and a half sack. You have number 65, Luke Nemec, redshirt sophomore from Boise High. Uh, four games last year, no stats. And then number 92, Corey Quinn, redshirt sophomore, Spokane, no stats. Possibility on defense, a Kamari Bailey playing a little bit of defensive line. I do think we've covered in this multiple times at this point. He's most likely going to play kind of the stand-up rusher as a um, linebacker. And he will most likely be redshirting next year. But as he was listed as an athlete, I will consider him the possibility of playing some D-line. But I think you're looking at we brought in like no recruits in this position unless we have some offensive line guys switch. So expect a heavy recruiting class next year. But, I mean, as we said, yes, we're losing Townsend, Griffin, Rufia, and Crawford, and Tomasi, and Kim. But we'll have Ellis. We'll have DeGraw. Those are three guys that are or two guys that are big contributors next year. Expect some JUCO guys to come in, but it's really going to show how dominant our defense is going to be this year. The fact that we're going to be very senior heavy at linebacker and well, especially D line, but a little bit of linebacker. Um, I'm just so excited for our front seven as a whole. Uh, anybody that you just want to kind of cover, dive into more. Yeah, two names. Um, one, Jonah Kim back for another year. That's a big deal. You know, he, him and Noah Ellis were our two biggest bodies last year. Noah Ellis missed some time with injury. And Noah Ellis was – he was a Mississippi State signee, correct? Yes. He was a four – he might have been a five-star, but I think – I'm pretty sure he was just a four. But, yeah, he was a Mississippi State uh, recruit who had offers to Alabama uh, – I know for sure Alabama, but, um, yeah, a, a couple different schools. He was a big-time recruit coming out of uh, Valor Christian in Colorado. Yeah, you know, those those two are the big names uh, that pop out to me. Uh, I'm also interested to see, you know, if we get a little more growth out of out of Coyote Rufai. Um, you know, this what I'm going to circle back to is, you know, if you go through our schedule, uh, particularly the early schedule, when Idaho looked like we'd be strong, uh, particularly hanging tough with Wyoming and then beating Eastern Washington that following, following week, we had great showings from our line. Mm -hmm. um, and also even games that we lost last season, you know, like, you know what, getting shut out 24-0 Portland State is a big deal. But, 
even in a game where the offense was giving the defense no help, you know, if you give up 24 points a game in the big sky, you should win most games. Um, you know, I, oh man. Yeah, I guess those are the two big names I'm stoked about. And I'm also interest, interested to see how um, you just said it, Post Falls guy. Um, Nate DeGraw. Yeah. Because he played in 12 games, you know, 40 tackles. I mean, that he would be our lead. He's our leading tackler on the line, correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I guess the, those three, uh, the big three are the ones I'm, I'm interested in seeing. And it's fantastic uh, for us. You know, circling back to your point earlier, Chris, about like, hey, am I getting too excited? Our D-line was the strongest part of our defense two years ago. Our D-line and linebackers were the strongest parts last year, and they were better than two years ago. If we even see a little bit of growth, like this is one of the best defenses in the league. It might not be Weber or Montana State, but it might be the next team. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really good. I'm – and just to kind of cover um, – while you're doing that, I was doing some research – to cover Noah Ellis was a class of 17, so he's the same age as Christian. He had some academic issues getting eligible for Mississippi State. That's why we have him a little bit younger. Um, Miss, he obviously signed Mississippi State. Some of the other teams, just scrolling down, that he got offers from. And this is on 247. He ended up being a three-star, but the 44-rated defensive tackle. And all these are guys that – well, they literally pin who's recruiting them. So these are legit offers, um, not just where you see, like, some people just get thrown a bunch of offers and put it on 247 to drum up interest. Mississippi State, Alabama, Arizona State, Auburn, BYU, Colorado, Colorado State, Idaho, Louisville, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Oregon, Oregon State, TCU, UCLA, USC, Utah, Utah State, and Washington. Now, there are some college football blue bloods that wanted him. That I mean, He is big. If he stays healthy, we said it last year, he was, I believe, my pick for most likely to win, like, Newcomer of the year in the big sky. Uh, and then he only played, I'm flapping back between stats and our outline here. Uh, Noah Ellis played in five games. So, I mean, you get him healthy for more than five games. I'm sure one of those was Penn State, where you're just not going to get a lot of, let's be honest. I mean, he has the ability to, I guess, if anything. But, I mean, this is a guy that, as a redshirt junior could just wreak havoc the next two years if he can stay fully healthy. So huge Jonah Kim going to be a huge return. I know he's a guy who we weren't expecting a ton of last year. Uh, it was a guy Paul Petrino talked a lot about, but he really came on when we had some injuries on the line from like Noah Ellis. Uh, Jonah Kim came in and just absolutely teared it up. 32 tackles played in all 12 games, got two sacks playing a lot of that nose. And what people have to remember is where you said you're really excited for the, that big three, um, when you're talking about uh, uh, Jonah Kim, uh, Nate DeGraw, and then Noah Ellis. But then you also got to think Vea Tomasi is a guy I expect to take a step forward. But Rashawn Crawford was a huge um, contributor last year and also played in every single game since he's been a freshman. So expect him to keep contributing. Coyote Rufai, if he stays healthy, a guy we expect to absolutely dominate as well. And then Theo Griffin is not a guy to sleep on or Cameron Townsend. Both of them have proven that they can be solid contributors. Now you're looking at it and you're like, that's six to seven guys we have that actually are really good. I, I'd say we have four really good guys and three guys that would start on almost every other team in the big sky. But we run a 3-4 technique. So you're like, you got to remember, uh, Charles Acano and players like that, Christian Ellis, are going to be your end rushers. 
So you're only running three of these defensive linemen. That rotation is just deadly that you don't need to fill four spots. Like, oh, we have seven guys, but we're going to have to, roll, you know, have cycle through four of them every three or four plays. No, you got six or seven guys, and you're only going to have to rotate through three of them every four or five plays. So the it's going to be big to replace. I'm not sure if we'll have this much talent on our defensive line, maybe ever again. Um, but I'm so excited for what's coming back. Um, just to give the people the other names, obviously, I'd love to see it a lot of our seniors. Rashawn Crawford kind of became like a leader late in the year last year, so I'd love to see him take a step forward. Um, Coyote Rufai, I mean, this is a guy we expected to be huge not last year. Um, has every ability to do it this year. And, I mean, I covered it. Cameron Townsend and Theo Griffin are two guys that could also become big contributors, but... I'm saying if there's another guy, number 45, Coyote Rufai, is the other guy that could just have a game record type season next year if he can stay healthy. Because him and Noah Ellis, by far, I think, played under their expectations last year. Both of them hampered due to injury. If those guys stay healthy, I mean, they're probably the two guys I'm most excited to talk to Paul Petrino about at Big Sky Media Days, if those still happen. Um, but, I mean, I'm just... I'm just stoked. Like, when I was going through this, and I was trying to find the stats that we lost, and I found two guys, and we lost four tackles and seven game experience worth of snaps. I'm just like, how is that possible that we have this much talent coming back on our front seven? And I don't have the linebacker outline pulled up, but I don't believe we lost anybody at linebacker last year. So we have, like, every single tackle from our front seven coming back, and like you said, that was our – best position last year. I mean, look how well we played against like uh Weber State, a team that likes to like more run the ball. We were dominant. The teams we struggled against were the teams that passed. And even with that, I mean, you look at Montana. We were put, we put enough and Eastern and Idaho State, we put enough pressure through our defensive line on them that they made silly mistakes, which is what led to us being able to hang in a couple of those games um and win you know a few of them so i'm super i'm super excited i just hope our defensive backs can make the steps forwards that you and i kind of talked about that can't really be any worse they're either going to be the same or better and i think we've covered that a lot of our other positions i mean you can say the same thing about the front seven they can only be the same they're not going to be worse so i mean the team as a whole jeff cotton is pretty much the only just and Lloyd Hightower are really the two huge losses. I would say otherwise, we're pretty well set coming back next year. And it's just it's crazy to think that. I just I don't want to get too high. Like you said, we we still have a lot of holes on offensive line. We still have to replace Jeff Cotton, and we have to have a quarterback that works out. Um, but man, we have a lot of really good players that are coming back, and some of them, scary enough, are only juniors and sophomores. Yeah. And, you know, circling back to what you'd said earlier about like, am I too high on this team? Look, I mean, part of why I'm high on this team is even the positions that we have at question mark. So like I said, secondary quarterbacks, a question um, and the offensive line for sure. Most of those positions, I feel like worst case scenario, we're going to be like we were last year. You know, for example, quarterback. Look, look, quarterback, I flat out think it's not possible for us to be worse than we were last year. Um, I don't care who wins the job. I just do not think it's feasible for us to be worse than we were. So in my head, that's one area where suddenly last year's relative weakness, it's better. 
uh, secondary is a place where, yeah, we, like we lost some guys, but if we, if you picked any position on the field other than quarterback where we would have turnover, let's say due to graduation, you would prefer it's a secondary because that's an area of relative weakness. So new names might just be the fix there. Um, offensive line, you know, last year, the offensive line, it's sometimes hard to contextualize exactly because our offensive line had real high expectations heading into last year. Um, they weren't great, but they didn't meet the expectations. So to me, it's hard to gauge how high to be on that group and still call it a question mark. But to me, those are the three question marks. And at least two out of three of them, there's reason to believe it'll be better than last year. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, I guess if we had to predict our three that we expect to get the most snaps, if we could call anything a starter. You know, Defensive line is such a rotational position, um, kind of like wide receiver. But if I had to say who the three guys I expect to be your your starters next year, um, I think you're going Coyote. I think you're going oh – God, this is hard. Um, I mean, I almost think you got to give it to Jonah Kim just because he earned it and stayed healthy. And then I'm giving it to Rashawn Crawford. Uh, if you had to pick – if you're you know not seeing spring ball like nobody really is seeing spring ball right now, if the season started right up, you're the you're the defensive line coach. Who are your three you're plugging in? And off the top of my head, I'd say Nate DeGraw, Noah Ellis, Jonah Kim. But I'm also like you. Um, look, man, Rashawn Crawford and Coyote Rufai are guys to – their names you're going to hear the PA announcer call some. Um, and also, man, it's just so great that we have depth to feel good about on the defensive line because, as we know – that's position people are going to get hurt like their knee yeah. their knee is going to get hurt yeah, cause, I mean, yeah. We, we, we covered that how do we, we talk about how this was a strength of the team last year and we're also talking about how two of the guys we expected to be huge contributors were hurt and theo griffin hurt townsend hurt and we're still talking about how this was such a good squad last year so it just goes to show that like yeah we're talking about these guys being starters but injuries are going to happen on the defensive line just like defense and offensive line there's going to be injuries there's just too much people around legs that have a lot of weight on them. And it's just crazy to think that we had two guys that we pretty much said were going to be, you know, first-time player of the year in Big Sky, and they barely played. And we're still talking about how we have three guys that got ended up getting to play a ton from it. And so now Coyote and Noah might not even get to start just because the other three guys have put in so much effort that it's like, how do you take them off the field? And then you have guys like Theo and Cameron who didn't even really get an opportunity to shine because they didn't have all that weight behind them or you know momentum behind them. They might get a chance to shine. Like, who knows who's going to start? And it doesn't really matter because like everybody's going to get a, a chance at it, and injuries are going to happen. And I feel confident that literally we have four to five guys that can literally just plug in and play on the defensive line. It's it's incredible. I mean, we have some guys that like I I think Coyote is an absolute game changer. Um, and I think Jonah Kim proved that he can be an absolute game changer. I think Noah Ellis could be that. But, I mean, how do you take Noah, Nate DeGraw off the field? Local kid, junior, he's only going to get better. He did all this as a sophomore, leading the team in tackles with 40. Like, I just where, – where is this – like, can we spread some of this talent to the other, the other line? Like, can some of these guys go play O-line? I don't – I'm just – I'm super – I feel blessed that we have this coming back. Oh yeah, man. Um, you know, this is, 
So how long have you been a Vandal fan? Uh, like hardcore Vandal fan, probably since 2000. What was Erickson's first year? Four? No, six. Yeah, he was six. So 2006. I remember following the Erickson, like uh, him getting signed. I remember, like I started really following a lot Nick Holt, but that's when I was still pretty much a Coog. The Erickson thing I kind of got into because I knew who he was from he coached a little bit at Wazoo and then obviously Miami. Um, so then when he came on, I really started following the Vandals a ton more. Uh, and they kind of started to take over as my go-to team where I would I'd watch the Apple Cup and some bigger Coug games, but I was pretty much staying tuned or listening to every Vandal game. Um, so, yeah, I'd say about 06 is when I would say I went all in Idaho and not splitting time kind of 50-50 or 60-40. So my question relating to that is, so let, let's just say the year is 2006 that we're using as your benchmark. Okay. How many years between 2006 and now did you feel like did you that did you feel as excited about the upcoming season as you do today? Twice, once. No, I don't even think I don't think in 2017 I expected it because I knew we lost so much off that team. Um, yeah, I'd say 2010, just because one, it was going to be my freshman year, and the fact that I knew we lost Iapati, but I mean we had the likes of Shiloh Kale coming back, Nathan Enderly coming back, Preston Davis coming back. Um, uh, I believe we had one more year of Deontay Jackson. I could be wrong on that, but like we had, I remember that team having a lot of talent coming back and we finished six and seven. So we, I mean, they kind of capitalized on it, but I mean, not obviously we didn't go to another bowl, but not quite like 2017 went. Um, so I'd say like 2010, um, probably. So once. <laughs> yeah, see, that is – so I'm going to use my time as I started my undergrad time at U of I in 2005, so the last Nick Holt year. Uh, Dennis Erickson come in there. I was pretty excited, but I think I was smart enough to accept that like, hey, he, we're not going to like make a bowl game just because he showed up. Um, but so I was excited about that. You know, in my head, I want to say I was excited about the 2009 team that made the bowl game, but like I, I was on campus. It took until about halfway through the season for a lot of people to accept, hey, we might be good. Yeah. Um, and for enthusiasm to really pick up. Um, so I'm going to say I'm with you, 2010. I was pretty dang excited. Um, I don't know, maybe 2017, but <clears throat> I wasn't quite as high on the bowl. 2016 bowl team so yeah I'm, I'm probably with you this is in my time being a hardcore vandal fan this is probably the second most excited i've been about our prospects heading into the season yeah and the sad part is i'm already more excited for 2021 like <laughs> i'm i'm more excited for 2021 than i've been for any season since like the 2014 seahawks like that's i i don't i'm just super i'm over the moon right now um but yeah, I, I I pretty much spoke all I want to speak on the defensive, all that I think people want to listen to me speak on the defensive line. You got any closing points on D line, or should we move on? Um, no, only closing point is while you were saying that I was looking up the 2010 season and how it progressed. 
And I was looking at that heartbreaker November 27th loss at Fresno State 2023 that would have made this a bull team. Yeah. What um, really sucks is the Hawaii loss because we played at Hawaii. And because we played at Hawaii, we got the extra game. And we ended up losing at Hawaii. So had we just not even played Hawaii that year, we would have probably finished 6-6 six and because six, it didn't matter. We lost, but we scheduled an extra game, which I'm sure was against you know, Wazoo or some really good team that we didn't beat. Um, where if we just didn't play Hawaii that year, we could have maybe even been seven and five instead of six and seven. But Dude, or how about September twenty fifth, thirty four thirty six loss at Colorado State? <laughs> yeah, that one was big. Cause that was the overtime game or like the field goal game, right? And I remember right, you couldn't even find that game on TV. You had to follow it on like, like uh, ESPN Game Tracker or something. And I was just like, no way this is happening. Because obviously we'd beat them in 2009, and they looked like they were going to be worse. They had lost Stuckley or whatever his name was at quarterback, and we still had Enderly and everybody. Yeah, that was just <sighs> rough year. But I think we'll all admit, out of every game from 2010, I don't know how this <laughs> went back. The game, I think everybody would go back and sell their soul. I would give up every single win to give us – November 12th against number four, Boise State, battle for the governor's trophy. Last time ever, last time in the, well, last time currently forever, and probably the last time ever in the Kibbe Dome. Uh, getting the win there would have been, that would be a Vandal rewatchable forever. <laughs> but oh, Yeah, dude, yes, it would. Oh, but. But it didn't happen. But yeah, Colorado State. Hawaii and Fresno State. Those are two. Those are the games right there that uh, were game changers for us. So, but um, moving on, we got some time. We're trying to get the athletic director on, so we better spend our time to do our second little ad read here. Do you wish Idaho had a better national image? Do you want Idaho to find the next great coach and maintain all the great ones like John Newley that they already have? What about winning more Big Sky National Championships? Well, these are all things that your local Vandal Scholarship Fund are a part of. All of that and much more while fulfilling their most important mission, making sure all our student-athletes are awarded scholarships. There's no better time than now to give to the VSF. The ICCU Arena has broken ground. Our student-athletes are reaching historic marks on the courts, fields, pools, and most importantly, in the classrooms. Show our new leadership how proud you are to be a Vandal and that you are excited to help. Donate to your local VSF today and help reclaim Idaho's lost decade. Okay, so we have a couple things to announce. We have talked, I think, for two weeks now, maybe three weeks, maybe just a week, that we're kind of we're launching a Idaho rewatchable series. Some of you that follow us on Twitter are aware that we posted uh, a playlist we have made on our YouTube channel, so you can just look up Tubs of the Club on YouTube. Go to our playlist. We have tracked down a bunch of old Vandal games, um, but specifically we're asking you to look at, if you want to look at the other ones, I found every game we've ever found is in a playlist, just labeled Vandal Games. But then if the rewatchables is what we're going to stick to. We want to announce one rewatchable every week, challenge you guys during that week, to find time to watch, especially now while you're quarantined, staying safe, staying home. They're on YouTube. They're free. Tune in. Check them out. Watch some old Vandal tapes. And then we'll spend a little bit of time at the end of each podcast just discussing the game. 
So the first game up, we are working on getting a – oh, and if you have any suggestions, make sure you, you comment them on Twitter or find a way to get a hold of us. But uh, the game we are working on getting, and hopefully we will get – so stay tuned. If we don't get it by Friday, we'll probably post a different poll. But we're working on getting 1995 Montana versus Idaho. Now, a couple things. This is the last year Idaho was technically FCS. Uh, or one double A at the time. Um, the 1995 Montana team was the team that went on to beat. Was that the year they beat Marshall? Yes, in the championship. Yeah, they yep. they won the national championship. So this was Idaho versus national champion Montana. Not only that, but it featured college football Hall of Famer Dave Dickerson, Dickinson, um, just slinging the rock around. But on our side of the ball, we had High Saw just putting up an absolute passing clinic. These guys were putting up modern-day passing numbers in 1995 that it would look like 2013 Drew Brees versus 2013 Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think it was like five touchdowns by High Saw and another five by Dickerson, and it, it was a great game to watch. Idaho pulled out the win. Um, I don't know if I should tell people that. I'm assuming they know or they're going to look at it. But we're trying to track down that tape. We have three feelers in. If you think you know anybody, a Grizz fan, a Vandal fan that might have this, let us know. We will find a way to make sure we can get it online for everybody. Um, but that, that's kind of the main game we're trying to get next week because we have special guest Eric Heisaw coming on next week. Uh, the quarterback of the 1995 team and 1994 team for part of the season before injury. So we figured no better person to discuss it with and that back-and-forth battle with soon-to-be national champion Montana. So we're, we'll have Eric on to talk the game. It's also just so happens to be the week we will be previewing the quarterbacks for our 2020 spotlight. So we'll have a former Idaho great quarterback coming on to talk current Idaho quarterback situation, and we'll talk generic Idaho, you know, obviously with him and have it not just be him breaking down 95 and the new quarterbacks. Uh, but, well, yeah, we're going to have Eric on. We're going to hopefully be able to discuss 95 Montana-Idaho as our first rewatchable, and then we'll break down some other stuff for you guys. If we do not get a hold of 1995 Montana versus Idaho, uh, we will probably be switching to the 2016 Potato Bowl, 2009 Humanitarian Bowl, 2019 Idaho State or 1998 Humanitarian Bowl. We'll post a poll on Twitter, so make sure if you want to vote to have that be picked. Um, there you are. Or if you want to do a little pre-work, you can watch all four. They're all available already on our rewatchables list. Rewatchables list, that's why. So be prepared. And kind of what we're looking to get out of this is things change as you rewatch these games. You rewatch them and you pick up things that you didn't catch then. Uh, or funny nuances like I talked about rewatching 09 and it was the day Mike Leach got fired and they were talking about how he's a great coach for weird quirky places. Then he ends up eight miles down the road at Wazoo a few years later. And it's just weird. Dave Clawson was a Richmond guy who got Richmond built up as a program in the FCS and won tons of like uh, playoff games with it. And now Richmond stinks. And it's just it's funny to see how things change throughout the years when you go back and rewatch it and just to see some really good Idaho Vandal greats. Also, you got to have some humility because you know in 09 they're talking about, like we mentioned, how good Brock Heward talks about how good the 2010 Idaho team is going to be. 
And then we all know we've just discussed what happened. So it's funny to go back and rewatch. There's also some very classic moments. All these games are all-time great Vandal games. They're not just blowouts. Um, we could find plenty of blowouts from the 2016 season for Idaho. We want to get games that people specifically remember and are kind of pinned as like all-time great games for Idaho. So um, those are the four we'll probably pick between if we can't find 95, Montana, Idaho. Then obviously some other games that we're going to look to do, 98, Boise State, 96, Boise State, uh, 2009, Colorado State. We're looking for 2009 homecoming against La Tech. We're looking for, because uh, we've also won some quirky games, like uh, Colton Richardson's start in 2017 against Georgia State. I also think I've tracked down Matt Linehan's first start and Nathan Enderley's first start. So we're also looking at games like that to kind of be fun too. So if you think of any, let us know. Brian, I guess I kind of just filibustered there for a bit. Anything you want to cover on future games, the 95, having Eric on next week, or anything on uh, your kind of takeaways for the rewatchables? Yeah, so the 95 game, to me, that's a real interesting one. It'll be a real fun one to look at. That Montana team finished 13-2. and Do you know who their two losses came to? One no one's Idaho. The other's Washington State. There you go. Can't beat the Palouse. Except yep. Eastern that year. I'm assuming they beat Eastern. <laughs> yeah, they beat Eastern. Uh, but that Montana team, I have no idea how the voters would explain this, but Montana finished sixteen and one. Sorry, six and one in conference, thirteen and two overall. They're the number eight team in the nation. Idaho was number seven at four and three in conference, six and five overall. You know, that that Idaho team, they ended, they made the playoffs. Ended up losing to the first round in the first round, but what you gotta remember is back then that the there McNeese? wasn't that bye round, so like it was just top sixteen teams. They all play. Uh, we lost to McNeese State, who is the number one ranked team at the time in you know at McNeese State. Um, but yeah, that's man, that's an interesting team. You look at their you know you go to Wikipedia, just look at the ranking of teams when we played them. In that season, we we played. Number 24, Idaho State. Number 6, Montana. Number 13, Northern Arizona. Number 15, Northern Iowa. Number 16, Boise State. And then closed at number 1, McNeese State. That would be such a wild schedule to have that many ranked teams, particularly to close the year out at 13, 15, 16, 1. Yeah, and that is, not to get into our FCS, FBS debate, that is what we're looking at. People are forgetting that, I mean, if you even look at Idaho last year, but we played number four, Sac State, number three, Weber State, number eight, Montana. So, I mean, at the time, number 24, Eastern. This is uh, it's one thing I want to talk about as we get into the rewatchables is part of the reason I want to work people backwards in time. You're going to start watching some of these games, like against Boise State and stuff, where it's number four versus number six. In Montana, same thing. We're talking about, you know, uh, number five versus number six. And it, it's just something that I want Vandal fans to get back to remembering that, yeah, we can talk about the FBS all we want and how it makes you relevant and yada, yada, yada. We all know where most of us stand on this whole thing. But it's also the fact that we got to remember that when we were in the FCS or 1AA, we were a perennial top 25 team. And we kind of need to get back to having that mentality that we were a boy. We, the all-time record with Montana is like 55, 28, and 2. Like, we used to be a bully in the big sky, and we have all the facilities and everything to do it again. 
We just need to get the players, the coaches, ours mindsets back to that. And that's why I think these rewatchables will be great. Remember how good Idaho was? Enjoy the moments we had in the FBS, 2016, 2009. There's a couple games. Um, but, man, like 98, we had some good years. But 96, 94, 95, obviously the Nussmeyer years, the Hobart year, like uh, the original Linehan years. Like we have – I think you're going to find we had a lot of really fun matchups with some really good Big Sky teams. Um, that is kind of why I want to track them down because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't, until I started the series, I had never watched the 96 Boise State game uh, where we ended up winning like 61-42 or 61-14 or something. Like, I don't know. We we had some games that are super fun to rewatch. I've pretty much rewatched all the rewatchables now, but – uh, my goal is to rewatch them with you guys too, so the most recent game is current. But it's it's it, it's fun. You learn a lot of Vandal history. You forget some of these amazing players we had too. Um, so yeah, I, that's kind of my purpose of it, and I I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I hope everybody has fun with it, especially while we're in the off season and there are no real live sports to watch right now. So relive some glory days. Why not indulge yourself? <laughs> oh yeah, man, this is. Um... Yeah, the 95 game. I actually went to that as a real little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went out with my dad. We sat on the Montana side, of course, at that time. Um, and that was fun as hell. I, I remember that was the, I, what I remember of it. And that'll be an inter- interesting th- thing for me is how much of this as a kid, like, do I, do I recall correctly? I remember that being an up and down game in a pretty wild crowd. Yeah. Yep. It's exactly. It's. People are going to enjoy watching it. I just know it. Um, and if not, we'll quit it. But <laughs> Right. Um, anyways, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Ryan Phillips was on the 95 team, too, who's the uh, uh, play-by-play for the Vandals. Got drafted. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, weird stuff like that that you forget. I mean, we all know Ryan because we listen to him call games, and you forget that in 95 he was on one of the best teams in the nation and – I mean, I'm excited. That'll be something to talk to Eric about uh, next week. But, yeah, so we have Eric I saw on next week. Um, talk Vandal football. Try to watch. Uh, if we get it, it'll be on the YouTube channel. We'll post it on Twitter. If not, we'll post a poll to see which one you guys want to rewatch first. And it'll kind of be like our version of Book Club. Anyways, that's all I have on rewatchables. Anything before we get into closing the bar? Are you ready to close down the bar? Ready to close the bar, man. Close the bar, man. Under an hour. We are just, uh, it's the off season. Can you tell? <laughs> uh, position series ends next week with the quarterbacks. The one that probably most people have been waiting for, which is why we saved it for last. We know. Um, and originally it was going to be literally out before we did our FCS FBS debate, um, which if we've talked about is postponed. Uh, ask uh, anyone how they can find us. You guys all know how to find us. So I guess, Brian, you have anything fun going on in your life that you want to tell the people about? If not, I guess let them know where you are or how they can um, find you. Anything wild other than, you know, writing and uh, I'm likely getting back into public school teaching this year. Um, so other than that, man, um, no, no, dude, just doing the same thing I've been doing. I'm, so when listeners get this, this, this will be, you know, I, I talked about this. I'm a high risk person. When this is published, this will be my 28th day in quarantine. Um, so it's, I mean, this is just my normal now. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, 
for the rest of you that are out there like that, um, hopefully we're giving some bit of normalcy to your life, covering Idaho. And if you're just a Big Sky fan, something in the Big Sky, we do do a pretty good job covering the Big Sky as a whole. Um, so I hope I hope we, you guys are finding us helpful because uh, the listens are, I mean, they're not what we thought, but they're not bad. So we just hope that as long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep making episodes. Uh, make sure you follow us on the Big Sky or follow the Big Sky Podcast Network. That's at Big Sky Podcast to make sure you stay in tune with all of BSPN's developments and receive content throughout the season. Grizz Fan Pod is doing live Zoom casts with all their followers. Maybe we'll look at doing something like that. Eagles Power Hour just had the Deputy Commissioner of the Big Sky on. Um, they had me on a couple weeks ago, so they have tons of fun content. So make sure you check out Eagles Power Hour, Grizz Fan Pod. Now it's time for the best band in all the land, the Sound of Idaho. Play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.